Hi, I'm Vishen Lakiani, founder of Mind Valley, the school for human transformation. You're listening to the Mind Valley podcast, where we'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world's most powerful ideas and personal growth for mind, body, spirit, and work. Hi, everyone, and welcome to an episode of the Mind Valley podcast dedicated to courage. So, in this episode, we're going to talk about four principles to live a more courageous life. And I cannot wait to introduce you to the woman who will be joining us in this episode. Her name is Francesca Iselli. She's an entrepreneur, an adventurer, a speaker. She has been on Mind Valley before as a featured author on our Impact at Work program. And what she's pulled up in her life, this incredible life she's created, is really exemplary. She moved as an immigrant from Switzerland to Australia. So you'll notice the Swiss accent. And eight years upon arriving in Australia, she was awarded Young Entrepreneur of the Year. And today she's just built this incredible lifestyle. As I called her up for this interview, she had just come back from surfing on the beach right next to her home. And she is amazing. Someone who has been featured on Forbes, Cosmo, The Age Smart Company, Mary Claire, and a real exemplary woman and entrepreneur. So in this podcast, me and Ziska, as her friends call her, decided to take extracts from her upcoming book, Courage, and share with you a four-step formula for boosting courage in your life. And that formula is called KIT, K-I-T-T. And you're going to learn about the four principles of courage. So K-I-T-T is going to be a simple abbreviation to help you remember these four principles. Let's get started. And this is the Mind Valley Podcast. Hi, Ziska. Welcome to the Mind Valley hey. Podcast. Hey, Vision. Thanks so much for having me. So, we're going to be talking about courage today. And you're going to be sharing with us the K I T T formula for courage. Yes, it would be my pleasure to do that. By the way, were you ever a David Hasselhoff Knight Rider fan? <laughs> K-I-T-T was the acronym for that robotic car that would follow him around and solve crime with him. Yes. I remember I was a kid and I was totally in love with David Hasselhoff. I was obsessed with him. And I wrote him a love letter. I made him a painting of kid going through a wall and sent it to him. And he never sent me a letter back. The bastard. He never replied and I got completely off him. Well, now we can use K-I-T-T as an acronym for what you're about to learn today. So listeners, the K-I-T-T, which is a formula for courage stands for kindness, imperfection, trust, and truth. You've had such an incredible background as an entrepreneur. You've pulled off so many things, but what I respect about you most is the lifestyle you've created. You're an entrepreneur who doesn't stress regularly in flow. And every time I meet you, you continuously grow. The last time we featured you on Mind Valley was in Mind Valley Mentoring. And you had an episode there on impact at work. So I'd love for you to share with our podcast listeners your unique background. Yeah, thanks for saying that. And thanks for asking. I definitely feel, I don't want to say lucky because, you know, you create your own luck, but I do feel fortunate to have been able to create the lifestyle that I want to live, which, you know, we just spoke before and I said, I've just come from the beach. I had to quickly change my top. I didn't know we were going to do video. I had a quick surf in the morning in my office here at my headquarters now. 
for one of my businesses, Basic Bananas, and it's just around the corner from where I live. I live right on the beach. I swim every morning or surf. Today I surfed. So how I came to this point where I set up this life this way is 11 years ago, actually, this Saturday is the 11th anniversary of my dad's passing. And of course, the listeners can hear I have an accent. I'm not Australian. I am Australian now. I grew up in Switzerland and then became Australian. I've been here for 14 years. But 11 years ago, my dad suddenly passed in Switzerland. He had a heart attack at a very young age of 58 years old. And at that moment, everything changed in my life because, you know, this book is all about courage. And the reason why it's all about courage, because I never had very many fears in my life. I mainly had one fear until my dad died. And that one fear was death. The only major thing that I was a little bit scared of and made me go a little bit sometimes in my head was death. And then he died. And then suddenly my only fear became not living enough because suddenly I was okay with death. I mean, it was the worst period of my life, but I suddenly became aware of mortality and understanding a little bit more because of that experience. And then suddenly my major fear was to not living a full life. And I went on this journey and I had this question in my mind pretty much as soon as he passed. My brother had to call me from Switzerland. I was here in Sydney and he had to tell me the news. And the first question that came to my mind, other than, you know, not believing the story was if I was to die right now, would I be happy with my life? And the answer was no, because I was working in advertising. I was working long hours for someone else and I'm not very good with authority. I really am not very good with authority and I wasn't making the impact that I was meant to be making. And so I quit my career in advertising and I saw this gap in the market where smaller companies, they couldn't afford us in the advertising agency because, you know, our prices were pretty extraordinary. And so I saw this gap in the market where small businesses, they don't have access to the knowledge that the big guys have and they can't afford to market the way that the bigger guys could. So I started the company. Now we have our 10-year anniversary this year called Basic Bananas. And it's a marketing education company. And so you moved to Australia as an immigrant. I love immigrant stories. And eight years after moving to Australia, you were awarded New South Wales Young Entrepreneur of the Year. Congratulations. Thank you. Definitely a huge honor. So obviously, that classic immigrant story, right? Moving to a new country, starting a business, and in your case, building up this incredible lifestyle, took a certain amount of courage. Not everyone would be able to do it because as you know, the odds against you when you start a new business are huge. I believe the statistic is something like 19 out of 20 businesses will fail in the first five years. And so people who are starting out or people who are trying to do any bold endeavor, even if you're working for a company and you're taking on something bold, you're going to meet a lot of resistance. There are going to be fears. There's going to be anxiety. There's going to be stress. Let's talk about courage. Let's talk about the KITT formula. Yeah, I would love to. And, you know, I take my hat off to anyone who is starting a business and sticking with it because it actually takes more courage almost to stick with something sometimes than to start something. And that is usually where people fail when they don't have the courage to stick because it gets hard. I mean, this is a crazy roller coaster, right? You know this. You're an immigrant yourself. You know, it's hard. You don't have a family here. And it's, but it's also what I think drives you is that you have this extra fuel to do things well. So let's begin with K, which stands for? It stands for kindness. And this is a great discovery that I've made a few years ago. I'm a little bit obsessed also with kindness at the moment. And I speak a little bit about sometimes how these concepts and a lot of the concepts that I write about in the book, Encourage, came about when I was on the road. I'm doing an adventure at the moment. I'm riding a motorbike around the world and I do it in stages. So when I'm in my helmet, 
there's no distraction because you just have to be so focused on the road and not getting run over that it's like a meditation for like eight hours. And that's where these thoughts come. And kindness was one of the first concepts that came to me when it comes to living more courageously. And the mantra that I use, every principle in the book has a mantra is always respond with kindness. And I've taught my whole team here. We have a team of 33 people around the globe. There's about 12 people here in my office here. And I talked about this concept with them. I said, always respond with kindness. It takes courage to do that. But when you do observe the reactions that you get from people that you interact with, it's amazing. So when somebody calls and somebody is grumpy because maybe something didn't happen for them or they just had a really bad day, I said, try and always respond with kindness on the phone and see what happens. And I remember one time I was in San Francisco and I hired a car to go down to Santa Cruz for a seven-day silence retreat, meditation thing. And by the time I came to the front of the line, the lady was grumpy because there were lots of tourists there and it must be unexciting to work, to work with so many tourists. And so I asked her, hey, what time can I drop the car in Santa Cruz? She said, I don't know. I said, okay. You know, in my head, I started to almost get not kind because I'm like, isn't that your job to, you know, tell me this is your company? But I reminded myself very quickly, I said in my head, hey, respond with kindness. Maybe this woman had a really bad day. So I took my phone out and I just looked on my phone. I Googled the branch in Santa Cruz and then I just responded to her. I said, hey, just, you know, might be useful information for you also. The branch closes at five o'clock. And I didn't do it in a snarky way. I didn't want to be sarcastic. I just reminded myself, be courageous to be kind. And she looked at me and I could see a complete energy shift from grumpy to just her whole facial expressions changed to nice. And so she kept doing her thing. And then she gave me the car key and she said, hey, I just gave you an upgrade on your car. You have now a bigger car. And in my head, I'm thinking, I don't want a big car because I'm European. I can't drive big cars, especially in the US. But I also don't want to, you know, break her heart. So I took the big car and then I even managed to get a flat tire by hitting a pavement because I can't handle <laughs> big cars. But that principle now, we use it all the time. When somebody is grumpy here or anyone, a friend is snarky with you. When I was riding on my motorbike trip with another girlfriend, she sometimes was a little bit grumpy through the helmet. And I would just respond in my head, always respond with kindness, always respond with kindness. And then before I speak, I say that to myself. And then the reactions that you get are completely different. And you know what I like about that? When you tell yourself, I'm always going to respond with kindness, you're taking power away from someone else and putting it on yourself. I can imagine how someone who has to approach their boss or supervisor, maybe to raise an issue or to ask for some extra leave or to ask if they can go home early, might need a little bit of courage. They might be fearful. And let's say this is a boss that's snappy, that's kind of, you know, grumpy. It can be intimidating. But if you tell yourself, hey, look, I know my boss is grumpy. And if you Tell yourself, I'm going to respond with kindness. And you try to see it from his eyes. Maybe he's working really hard and his biology is out of whack and he's just stressed out and you know better. And when you tell yourself, you know, even if he's grumpy to me, I will simply respond with kindness. I think you take power away from him and you put it on yourself and that gives you a boost in courage. Totally. And, you know, something else that also, you know, takes a little bit of courage is two things. One is to be okay to understand that everyone is trying the best that they can and secondly also is to conspire for everyone's success even when you don't feel like it you know even if somebody is grumpy with you or rude if you can be courageous and have this courage to be unconditional about your kindness it's extremely powerful and i think it's a powerful idea to incorporate in our lives in every situation be kind i was going through a tsa 
line in an airport in the U.S. a couple of weeks ago. And this was during the government shutdown. So the TSA people, they were not being paid. They had to come to work anyway. They were not being paid. You can feel so sorry for them. And obviously they were grumpy, right? And so they were treating people in a harsh way, but you can't blame them. These were guys who were trying to protect the safety for millions of Americans without being paid because of the Trump government shutdown. And Mm -hmm. I accidentally packed my Swiss army knife, which I travel (laughs) around with. I love that Swiss army knife. I packed it in my carry-on and I knew they were going to detect it. And obviously they caught it. And the guy held up the knife and said, what are you trying to do bringing this knife on the plane? And I decided to respond with kindness. I simply said, hey man, I'm so sorry. That's a dearly cherished knife of mine. I stupidly put it in my carry-on, but hey, you know, you've been working really hard. I know you're not getting paid. Keep it. Like you don't have to toss it away. Just keep it. And he smiled. I don't know if he did keep it. I don't want to rat anyone out, but I really felt good about that. I didn't feel bad about losing this trusty knife because I felt that I could, in a way, give that gift to someone. And it was wonderful that I didn't have to be pulled into a room and be given an extra pat down. But you know what you also did, which is another one of the principles I talk about, is that you actually met this person where he was at. And this is another part of kindness that works really well is try and meet people where they're at. So rather than call, you know, this is annoying, like, don't do it. You put yourself into his shoes and you meet him where he was at. You know, you're probably not getting paid anything or much here. And I understand the frustration with people like me that bring on knives. So what you did is you meet the people where they're at. If somebody's frustrated about something and you just go, don't be frustrated. And, you know, you're kind about even that. It's actually better to just go, hey, I understand how frustrating this is. And I understand how annoying it is to deal with people that bring on knives. Why don't you keep it? So you met them where they're at. Because the default reaction would be, oh, come on, man. Do I look like someone who's going to take out this knife on the plane? Well, actually, I do. I am brown and I haven't shaved. You know, but bringing that up would be negative or even going chill, man. Come on. It was just a mistake. Would it be negative? But meeting them where they are and saying, hey, man, you've been working hard. No pay. You don't have to throw that knife away. Why don't you keep it? It's my gift to you. It's a different thing. So thank you for that. By the way, I don't know if I suggested violating any travel laws with my advice. If I did, please ignore this. Now let's go on to the second idea, the I in K-I-T-T, imperfection. Yeah, imperfection. I love this principle. And this one really helps you to step more into courage because the belief that I like people to adopt when they read about imperfection is that everything, including you and me and everyone, is imperfect. Everything is imperfect. You look at everything in nature, you look at a plant, you look at anything or anyone, we are all imperfect. And when we can embrace that belief that I am imperfect, it means that it's okay to stuff up. And this is normally where people are not able to be courageous is because they don't want to stuff up. This is why you don't start a business or this is why you don't continue a business because I might stuff up. I might make mistakes. But when you have this belief that everything is imperfect, you are okay. Doing what your heart desires, which we're going to look at in one of the T coming up, because you are okay to make mistakes because you know you'll just get up again. Right. Everything is imperfect. And I guess an add-on to that belief, wouldn't you say, is that, and I'm going to grow. Like, this is just part of the growing process. Who I am today is not who I'm going to be next year or even next month. Yes, because you will grow when you fall down. And when my team here doesn't stuff up enough or when I don't stuff up enough, when I don't make enough mistakes, I know that I'm staying safe. And I know that when I'm staying safe, I'm not evolving. 
I know that I need to make mistakes. I love that. You need to make mistakes. You know, there's this beautiful quote from Rumi, and he said, O ye who is afraid of a good rub, how will you ever become a polished gem? And he also yeah, said, okay. suffering, the result of mistakes, yeah. suffering yeah. is the wound through which the light enters. Yeah, that's one of my favorite quotes. And I think that's a really cool thing. Embrace your imperfection. Be okay with making mistakes. And when you understand that imperfection is part of life and who you are today is not who you're going to be tomorrow or one year from now, I think that gives us a healthy dose of courage. Yeah. And two more things on that. So one also, what I'm observing is obviously, of course, with social media, et cetera, people are stepping into this comparison trap where it's a little bit of a race in terms of, hey, what are they doing? What am I doing? Even in business, am I doing something that they are not doing and vice versa? It's constantly comparison, comparison, comparison. And it's a race to the bottom. And it's a race that is not bringing you closer to yourself. When you're really close to yourself, you can be courageous. When you're not, when you're looking at what everyone else is doing, it takes you away from courage. So one thing that I talk about in this comparison trap is that the only person you want to compare yourself to is yourself. You are the only person that you want to compare yourself to because you can look at this, what you mentioned before. Am I a better person today than I was yesterday? That's the only comparison. So you know what I find really fascinating about that? Just yesterday at this time, I interviewed Andre Pira, a billionaire in Thailand. He was a homeless guy and his new book is called Homeless the Billionaire. And he was telling me how in 15 years he went from being a beach bum, like waiting for handouts to building a billion dollar real estate company. And it started when someone refused to give him a handout and instead gave him the book, The Secret. And he started manifesting with his mind. And he said something interesting about comparison. He said, look, you have to have big goals. He would always look at real estate tycoons ahead of him and decide he wants to be with them. And he says, while doing that, though, while having that positive forward comparison, he would always be grateful for who he was at the moment, right? What he had at that moment. He would sit in his garden for up to 40 minutes a day just practicing meditation and gratitude. And he said that that was vital. He had his forward comparisons but he embraced the present. And there's a book called Quantum Success, which talks about it. It's called The Paradox of Intention. And it says, you've got to have goals, but your happiness cannot be tied to these goals. You must be happy before you attain them. Yes, I love that. And you know what that refers to is the second thing I wanted to share here. It's looking at perfection in tiny moments. And how I talk about that is that when somebody suggests a dinner place, for example, you have this default response for most things, which is it's perfect. You know, if somebody says, hey, should we go for dinner there? My response is always, it's perfect. Hey, should we go watch this movie? It's perfect. Because, you know, it could be better. Probably there could be a better dinner place. There could be a better movie. There could be a better weekend away. But it's perfect in the tiny moment in the presence. Rather than the long-term perfection, it's perfect right now. It's what you just spoke about. Amazing. Now let's go on to the third item, trust. So trust, trust, I think, is one of the biggest leaders to being more courageous, one of the biggest igniters of courage. And the reason why is because what kind of trust I'm talking about first and foremost, but I'm talking about two types. But the first one is trust in yourself and trust that you have the ability and the knowledge that you need to take the action that you want to take. When you are born, generally you have intuition working and then you go through life, especially if you grew up in a culture like I did in Switzerland, it's a very logical culture. Intuition is not a thing. I didn't ever talk about intuition until I moved to Australia. I didn't even know what it was. I had to Google intuition. What is intuition? I started studying it because I'm like, what? Like, 
Don't we make logical decisions by making lists and things? And so for the last maybe 14 years, I was obsessed a little bit with intuition too, because I suddenly realized when I trust myself is when I make the best decisions. And now, after years of studying this and failing a lot, failing a lot, making mistakes a lot, and I still do, now my best decisions, my boldest, most courageous decisions are usually seen by others as illogical because they came from my core. They came from my truth and they are always the best decisions. Sometimes I hire a team member when they come in for interviews. Sometimes it takes me five minutes to know that I want to hire this person without doing any of the stuff that you're meant to be doing. We rationalize it later. We go fact-checking and reference-checking and all this stuff. But usually my biggest, boldest, most important decisions are based on trust. And that's a really powerful idea. It's the idea that we have this power within us. You call it trust. Intuition is primarily that power that helps guide us to the right path. There's a lot of scientific research on this. Dean Radin wrote a remarkable book called The Conscious Universe. And he talks about study after study after study that shows that intuition is real and that all of us can tap into it. Now, there are numerous ways to tap into it, but it's real. And one of the most interesting studies showed that it was called the Gansfield Test Experiments done at the University of Edinburgh. And they had senders and receivers. The receivers were put in a chamber where they were asked to meditate, no sound, no stimulation. They were just in a relaxed state. The senders were in a different room and the senders were shown one of four images. So an image could be a castle, an image could be a battlefield, an image could be a horse running through a stream. And then they would go to the receivers afterwards and they would say, hey, what image do you think the senders saw? Now, if there was no such thing as intuition in the world, what would be the probability of the receivers guessing the one out of four image? 25%, right? It would be a yeah. quarter, one out of four. Yeah. Turns out that over multiple studies, the actual accuracy rate was 33%, which defies all the laws of probability, which shows that there is some form yeah. of information transfer taking place in the world. So intuition doesn't mean that you're going to always hit it, but it does mean that when you hear that gut calling on that person you want to hire, trust that. It's more than just an impulse. There might be something real there. Yeah, exactly. And I'm actually quite surprised it wasn't higher than 33%, but even that... These were untrained participants. Imagine the participants were trained. If these were people trained in meditation and intuition and people who had started practicing it in life. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I need to check out that book. And the second principle of trust is trust yourself first and foremost and practice. You can practice. There are different ways of doing that. As you mentioned, as meditation, as yoga. There's, I did games with myself when I didn't know how to do intuition, where I would guess which elevator would come, where I would guess where I can park my car. I would just play games. And the second principle is trust in the universe. And it is so powerful because if you have trust in the universe and you adopt this belief that the universe always has your back, you will be able to be so much more courageous because you know that you take action because you know it's the right thing to do right now in that moment. And even if it doesn't go where you thought it would go, the universe has your back. Hey, you know what's crazy about that belief? I was just watching a video on the Mind Valley YouTube channel by Sri Kumar Rao. He's a famous MBA professor, right? And in that video, he says that the ultimate belief you can have, the ultimate belief as an MBA graduate, as anyone in the world you can have, is the belief of a benevolent universe, the belief that the universe has your back. And he says, he's not asking you to believe that the universe is some powerful deity or anything. He's simply saying, adopting the belief, hey, what if? The universe yeah. was friendly to me, loved me, and had my back. Google that, those of you who are listeners, if you want to go deeper. Sri Kumar Rao, Benevolent Universe. 
I love that. And you know what's also cool about that? Because it's not about being delusional <laughs> and thinking, well, the universe has my back. You know, why am I experiencing bad things in my life? Why is my relationship breaking down? Why is my business not going well? You know, and then thinking, well, universe, come on, you're not having my back. What's going on? Stuff you. Instead of that, it's actually believing that, hey, this is part of the universe having your back because it's part of what well, you need to go through. And I figured out myself, one of the reasons why I started this motorbike journey around the world is because I was having a little bit of an early midlife crisis. I'm probably a little bit almost too young for it, but I felt like I'm having a little bit of a personal crisis and questioning things in my life. And when I start questioning things in my life, I know I need to do something about it. I can't just you know, ignore it. And so I went on this journey and I figured that, well, the universe always has my back. I'm going through a little bit of a challenging time. And the reason why is because I need to, in order to keep evolving, in order to make mistakes and in order to be a better human tomorrow. And one of my favorite things that I now say sometimes when I go through something, I always say it a little bit out loud. I'm like, there are no mistakes. There are no mistakes. There are no mistakes. <laughs> that reminds me of the famous Alan Watt story. Good thing, bad thing, who cares? So check this out. Alan Watts is one of our new authors that's coming to Mind Valley, And I'm going to play his audio, Good Thing, Bad Thing, Who Cares? Keep in mind, he's a Zen philosopher who died in 1973. But the message here is still highly relevant. Once upon a time, there was a Chinese farmer whose horse ran away. And all the neighbors came around to commiserate that evening. So sorry to hear your horses run away. That's too bad. And he said, maybe. The next day, the horse came back, bringing seven wild horses with it. And everybody came around in the evening and said, oh, isn't that lucky? What a great turn of events. You've now got eight horses. And he said, maybe. The next day, his son tried to break one of these horses and ride it and was thrown and broke his leg. And they all said, oh, dear, that's too bad. And he said, maybe. <laughs> the following day, the conscription officers came around <laughs> to recruit to force people into the army, and they rejected his son because he had a broken leg. And all the people came around and said, isn't that great? And he said, maybe. <laughs> you see, that is the attitude of not thinking of things in terms of gain or loss, advantage or disadvantage, because you don't really know. So what do you think of that, Ziska? Hey, I love that. And it's definitely a philosophy that also helps you to live more boldly. Now, with that, let's come to the final T in KIT. So there's kindness, imperfection, trust, and the final T is truth. Exactly. And truth is one of the first principles that I want people to adopt when they go through the book. In the book, we have 12 principles. Truth is one of the first ones. And what I talk about here and why it is so relevant to being more courageous is because when you understand your own truth defined by you, not by anyone else, not by your mom or dad, you know, I always say it's not mommy's fault. You know, sometimes we think it's mommy's fault how we live now. No, it's not mommy's or daddy's fault. You define your own truth. Your truth is defined by you, not anyone else. And when you do that, when you define your own truth, you will then be able to act and react and respond from a place of courage that is in line with you. Not someone else's story or a story that you experienced in the past, but based on your own core. And it takes courage, first of all, to understand your truth. And it also takes courage to then live by it. 
And I talk a little bit about a few of the signs. It's almost like a little checklist that the listener can ask himself or herself to see, hey, am I living in my truth? And one of them is, are you free from others' expectations? Another one is, are you acting congruently with yourself or are you acting in a way to manipulate an outcome? Do you feel balanced with yourself? Do you respect other people's truths or do you try and change their truth in order to fit into your own needs? Do you seek outside validation? If you seek outside validation, potentially you're not living your truth. Do you feel calm? Do you feel like you are on the right path with the journey that you're on? Do you feel brave enough to share your thoughts, no matter whether they are going to be judged by some, but loved by others? And one of my favorite ones is, do you define yourself by what you own or what you do, or do you define yourself by who you are? If you are in your truth, you define yourself by who you are, not the things that you own. You don't define yourself by the car that you drive or the things that you do, but by who you are. And these are a few things that help people to do a little bit of a check in terms of, hey, am I living in alignment with myself or am I living according to society's rules? You talk a lot about that. I love that. You know, you talk a lot about how we live according to society's rules and BS rules normally. And that means that people are not living in their own truth. And if that's the case, it's really hard to be bold because you're always looking for, hey, what's the rule? Am I in line with the rule or not? If you step into your own rules, into your own system into your own truth, it's a lot easier to stay courageous and act courageously and be courageous. And that's a perfect way to end. Thank you so much, Jessica. Kindness, imperfection, trust, truth, the K-I-T-T method for remembering courage. I'd love to just tell the audience about your book, Courage. When does the book come out? It's coming out in June this year. And it's very exciting for me to publish it because I will be actually on my motorbike riding through Iran probably Turkmenistan. In one of these counties, I will be while the book is coming out. I'm timing it so that I'm on the motorbike in one of the places that most people probably wouldn't recommend a blonde girl to go on her own <laughs> because it takes courage a little bit. So it's most likely coming out early June. And you know, we planned this episode to put things in a simple, neat way. Some of the key principles of the book for everyone to understand. K-I-T-T, kindness, imperfection, truth, and trust. The idea, though, is that there's a lot more to it, and that's in the book. Let me read that out to you. In the book, Francesca also talks about intention. She talks about love versus fear. She talks about non-attachment, flow, playfulness, evolution, commitment, and she goes deeper in the four that we currently shared. So one of the good things about this podcast is we often get access to authors before their books come out. So you're often, as a Mind Valley listener, one of the first to know. So put a reminder in your phone for July 1st to check out the book Courage by Francesca. And you are the first audience to hear about this. I have not accepted one interview other than yours because I love what you guys do. And I know that you love to treat your audience to special things. So it's my honor to share it with your audience. and with you. It's exciting learning from someone like you who has built such an exemplary lifestyle. You know, so many authors we bring in are professors or PhDs or top-notch authors, but you know, a lot of people who are listening are entrepreneurs like you. They are people who are working for great companies and they want the type of freedom and lifestyle and way of approaching life that you do. And I think you serve as a great role model because you are consciously competent. You are able to teach other people how to reverse engineer what you did. And that's a rare gift. So thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. 
And for those of you who enjoyed this episode, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes, or you can leave us a review on our podcast webpage, podcast.mindvalley.com. Directly under Francesca Iselli, The Power of Courage. And thank you guys for listening. I'll see you next week. Vishen Lakiani, and this is the Mind Valley Podcast. If you like the Mind Valley Podcast, take the next step. Become a Mind Valley member. Imagine being coached daily by the greatest teachers on the planet. How quickly would you transform your health, your mindset, your body? your relationships? How quickly would you double the size of your company? How quickly would you see your career grow? How quickly would you eliminate any limiting belief that's holding you back and manifest a life that you once thought beyond your dreams? When you become a member, you don't just get access to the greatest education in the world. You become part of a community of 150,000 of the most incredible people dedicated to personal growth. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now to get started.